The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 233. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice. Eagles coming off a disappointing playoff loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, uh, after we were uh, treated to a little bit of uh, some playoff excitement uh, in the league leading up to that. Didn't pan out so well for the Birds. What was the final score of that? 31 16 I think uh doesn't matter they got down th- <laughs> they were down 31 to nothing uh in that game we'll touch on that a little bit in this episode but I think the bulk of it will be uh sort of dedicated to the Howie Roseman year end press conference uh but before we get to that Brandon first of all how are you and are there any meat snacks that are on your mind that you'd like to tell us about well, I don't know how you were reading my mind, Jimmy. That is an incredible job by you. Um, as I see Butters walk into your room in the background, I think Charlie is in there too. <laughs> yeah, Butters is like standing, is. <laughs> like right in the doorway behind Jimmy. For those people who can't see this, which is everyone, um, so he's hanging out. And I don't think he can have necessarily wild nature pet uh, dog treats because he's a cat. Um, but, oh, he would definitely eat those. He okay. eats uh, Charlie's food. Well, all the I can't time. recommend that. I can't. I can't advise that. He was eating chips. The other butters is a cat. To be clear, everyone. Yeah. He was eating like, to, like uh, Tostitos. He was eating them off of my plate. He was. I've never seen a cat do that before. Uh, but he he's fat and will pretty much eat anything. Anyway, sorry. Okay. To cut well, you off there. they're they're meant for Charlie. <laughs> you know, they're designed for Charlie. Uh, WildNaturePet.com, discount code BGN15. Same discount code as Charlie's laying on the ground and looking up at the camera. Jimmy's uh, dog. What kind of dog? He's a golden doodle. A golden doodle. He's a, he's like a handsome a, dog. He's, a, he's actually like a he's a he's a mutt version of a golden doodle. And you can get human treats by going to RightToSellin.com. Using discount code BGN15, really quick at the top of the show, Jimmy wanted to give a shout out to our good friend, Michael Buffer, the Let's Get Ready to Rumble announcer that you probably know, uh, world famous, who gave Bleeding Green Nation a little shout out on his appearance on Good Morning Football today on NFL Network. So that was really cool to wake up to. So thank you, Michael, for the support. A lot of people, I think, didn't necessarily realize he's an Eagles fan. So that's always cool, too. Uh, so 
had to address that at the top of the show, but there's just so much to get to today, Jimmy. So why don't we Where do should it? should we begin? I guess we, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's start with the game. We're not going to talk too long about the game, but uh, never really a contest. As I mentioned in the open, uh, they were down 31, nothing game was over at that point. And uh, you know, it was really just another game in which they weren't competitive <laughs> against a good team. And uh, I think what we also saw in that game was uh, all the things that we were sort of concerned about in terms of Jalen Hurts' skill set uh, came to fruition in that game. And of course, we're talking about his accuracy, you know, not seeing the field, uh, you know, as well as some other quarterbacks. I think that was all on display uh, on Sunday and uh, left a bad impression, um, le- left a bad final impression anyway, uh, heading into this offseason. So did you have any major takeaways uh, really other than uh, Jalen Hurts and, and sort of the Eagles' performance defensively, offensively in that game? Well, we're going to get into Jalen Hurts here with what Howie said more, uh, I, I presume. But I'll start with the defense real quick. I don't think the defense was horrid in this game. Like I don't, I don't think the defense, you know, was the big reason. And I think that might sound funny to say when you give up 31 and Tom Brady didn't really necessarily break a sweat against this defense not to say it was perfect Mm -hmm. but I felt like the offense being a complete no-show should be the bigger point of ire for everyone like people shouldn't be like harping on the defense being the main issue I don't think Mm -hmm. people are to be clear but I just want to like put that out there as my stance that I think you know if the offense could actually stay on the field because they opened the game with what like multiple three and outs and my big takeaway honestly with Hertz is like they were never in the game at any point and largely because of him and for the second year in a row, in addition to the issues you mentioned in terms of not seeing the field, which maybe that kind of goes hand in hand with this, but such a slow processor, at least in terms of like getting the ball out. He's literally the slowest time to throw in the NFL for the second year in a row, according to Pro Football Focus's data on time to throw. So, you know, not great. And I think a big takeaway from this game was – Okay, we're finally going to get to see the Eagles who've kind of shifted their identity mid-season against a better team. Like, what does that look like finally? How much of their second half success was they're just beating up on bad teams versus, you know, they've actually changed. And I just think you look back at the 2021 season and they didn't, it's not even that they didn't beat a a, a playoff team, a team that was actually in the playoffs. They were 0-7 in those games. It's that they weren't competitive in those games. You look year to year, you know, one score games, and those tend to kind of have some fluke and variance and luck. And sometimes one year you're like eight and two in one score games, and the next year you're two and eight or vice versa, because that's just kind of the nature. But like the Eagles weren't in one score games with good teams. Like they were, they were not even competitive in a lot of those games. They were, they're completely blown out. Like think about all the games earlier in the year. Like the 49ers game was 17 to three until late in the game. And the 49ers uh, got the ball back after the Eagles scored and they never gave it back. The Cowboys game was a blowout from the jump. Um, the Raiders game, a blowout. Like there's so many games against teams that actually made the playoffs that like they just, they couldn't even hang with. And by the way, a couple of those teams didn't even make it past the first round of the playoffs. So it's not even like these are the very best teams in the NFL, like, you know, like Super Bowl team. So I think that's pretty disappointing to end the season on that note. What about you? Yeah, they, their point differential was a little bit skewed this year. Like they're up until almost the final week of the season, they actually had a better point differential than the Packers, which is like just sort of like an oddball stat. But, um, a lot of that was due to them putting up points in, you know, garbage time in those games where, uh, they, they got blown out. And another example was this weekend. By the way, I had the score wrong. It's 31 to 15. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, a lot of those scores were even, you know, they, 
even the ones where they lost by like 10 plus points, even those like looked better on paper than what we actually saw like on the field those days. So yeah, I think that, um, you know, a, a big takeaway from this season is going to be that, uh, they were, they're much better, obviously, than the worst teams in the NFL. Like they're, they're able to, to take care of those teams rather easily for the most part, but they're not on par with the big boys yet. And, uh, they have a long way to go at, at, uh, you know, in terms of the, the strength of their roster. Uh, and I think it starts kind of at the quarterback position. You know, I think they're really strong on their offensive line and then everywhere else they can use help. So um, they have a long way to go, in my opinion. I do think they're at least headed in the right direction. Like, you know, this time last year, there is nothing to look forward to. Nothing. Like their cap hell, their roster stunk. Their, their starting quarterback was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL that year. And he was happy and he was looking to get traded. You're looking at taking, you know, potentially the biggest cap hit in the history of the NFL. If he did anything with him, uh, ultimately they did. Heading into this offseason, you have a lot more to look forward to in that they have three first round picks. They're probably going to be um, much more active. They, they can't like, you know, kind of go buck wild in free agency, but they'll be much more active in free agency than they were a year ago. So it'll be a much more uh, fun offseason uh, to, to sort of cover and follow this team uh, going forward. But um, ultimately, the, the final game in the playoffs really was um, just a reminder once again that it's not really that great of a football team yet. Uh, and they have they have a long way to go. Why don't we get into the Howie Presser? Because you yes. just touched on the quarterback position. And that was obviously the biggest takeaway when Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni met with the media on Wednesday to have their post-mortem press conference. And there was pretty emphatic support for Jalen Hurts, which that surprised you, right? So I, it didn't surprise me at all in that they were supportive of him. And it didn't surprise me that they called him the starter going forward. But what did surprise me was how emphatic they were about it. Um, both of them, both uh, uh, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. So that says something, maybe. But ultimately, I don't think it really means anything because you look at past press conferences in these, you know, year end, um, you know, talks or whatever. They said how he said last year that, you know, losing Wentz was like losing fingers. The year before that, he's talking about, you know, the team needs to get significantly younger. Then they go out and they sign a bunch of old guys in free agency. So like what they say in these postseason press conferences, you know, very often does not line up with their actions during the offseason. So uh, I do think it's noteworthy that they were emphatically behind Jalen Hurts. But um, and if they weren't, then that's very telling, of course. But uh, that they were was sort of, you know, passing that first test in, in terms of him being a possibility coming back. But I don't think they're just going to close their ears and not uh, pursue upgrades at the quarterback position at all this offseason. And I don't necessarily think that they're going to construct this offseason as if, uh, Jalen Hurts is, de- even though they said they were going to do this, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to construct their the entirety of their offseason uh, this year on the premise that he's going to be their starter in 2022 and beyond. What do you think? A lot of people like to point out that with the Wentz quote about losing fingers that, well, like Carson Wentz won it out. Okay, so let me put it to you like this then. 
if you somehow found out that one of your fingers wanted to be removed from your body, would you willingly just oblige it and cut it <laughs> off? Like, is that right. really, you know, what you would do there? Cause I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I get that it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison because Wentz did one out, but you know, if the Eagles really wanted to keep him more than anything, you know, like they, if they thought he was like the best quarterback in the NFL, they wouldn't just give him up. Like, no. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I agree with your point. And then you, you made a good point too about the, the old players thing. What we've, we've seen Howie's words and actions not always line up. To me, this offseason is a failure if they go into it acting like Jalen Hurts is plan A and they don't even look at other quarterback options. And I don't expect that to be the case. I think they will. And as I've said many a time, I think they're going to land on Jalen Hurts because it's probably their most realistic option, but it's going to be a fallback thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where I kind of struggle with like really being excited about that or being like, yeah, they're going to build the defense. And I, I just struggle to think about the precedent for this kind of stuff in terms of let's start with number one, like being really patient with a quarterback and them just kind of magically changing who they are significantly night and day. I think it's incredibly naive to look at what we've seen from Jalen Hurts and think like, I, I get that he's young and I get that he can improve. I don't, like deny those things or contest those. But I think the way we talk about improvement is just like not realistic at all. You're not going from, you know, being like this really bad at this one thing to being like the best player in the league at this one thing. That's such a like large, uh, like chasm to, to, to bridge. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think there are really good examples of that happening in the NFL. And I kind of posed a question or a couple questions on Twitter earlier this week about like, what is the example of a team kind of being patient with a quarterback that they were clearly on the fence about, not just the fans are on the fence about, like they were clearly on the mm-hmm. fence about. And I, again, I used the you know rumors about Deshaun Watson and everything and Russell Wilson as an example or uh, evidence that they're clearly not like a hundred percent sold on Jalen Hurts for forever. Maybe, maybe for next year at the very most, which I, and I don't even think that much. So I struggle to see that. And a lot of people kind of mentioned Josh Allen with that. Well, number one, I, I like to push back. Like, I don't think the Bills were ever really on the fence about Josh Allen. Right. He was the eighth overall pick. And or tenth, he was, he was top 10 at least. And he played like 25 games in college. So there, and the, the book on him was always like, he was this really like incredible athletic talent who was raw in a lot of ways because he didn't have a lot of college experience. Do you know how many college games that Jalen Hurts played, Jimmy? <laughs> Uh, it's in the forties. It's gotta be right. It's 56. He played 56 college okay. games. And I don't even know if that's including the bowl games. I just used that on like, you know, the sportsreference.com. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is not an unknown entity. This isn't like a total wild card at this position who's raw and you just have to develop him. Like, I just don't think, I think he's probably a lot closer to his ceiling than people realize. And uh, again, that's not to say you can't get better, but I just don't think like he's getting better to the point where he is the guy. And that's really frustrating. And then the other, thing I struggle to kind of reconcile is like a lot of people talking about how their best option is to build the team around, like, like build the team around Hertz. Then if Hertz isn't the guy, you can just get a quarterback later based on what, like, how is that just a, a guarantee? Like, that's not a guarantee to me. Um, what, and who are the teams who build like that? Is there a good example of a team that just like totally built the roster and they just plucked the quarterback in? I mean, I just don't see a great example of that. I mean, maybe the Rams, but that's well, Tampa. not <laughs> Tampa. Yeah, but that's yeah, and again, that's very much not <laughs> like something you can just count on. You can't just count on right. Tom Brady, the best quarterback <laughs> the best ever, quarterback being available ever. Yeah. in free agency because there was weird friction with you know what happened in New England. Like it's just 
that just doesn't seem like a great model to me. Now, I'm not saying like there is a great answer otherwise and that they're like, is there's zero downside to let's say trading for Russell Wilson. I get like he's older and that might not work out and whatever. And then you don't have those assets to build the team around him. But like, I just, I really struggle with thinking that like you can kick the hand down the road and you'll definitely find someone later. I, I think well, the last thing I'm rambling on this and I'm going long, but I want to say the one <laughs> last thing that, uh, Derek Bodner, uh, good friend, um, and does a lot of good work. You should check out his newsletter for the Sixers. Um, he always phrased this in a really good way back when the Sixers were interested or kind of like rumored to be in the mix potentially or could be for Kawhi Leonard before he got traded to the Raptors. And a lot of Sixers fans at the time were saying like, it's too risky to give up the, you know, whatever it would take to get him and to move on mm-hmm. from Ben Simmons. And Derek always pointed out, well, like we talk about risk that way and acquiring him, but we don't talk about the risk in like, keeping it together and that doesn't work out and that causes problems. So I think people like think like sticking with Jalen Hurts isn't risky at all, but it is because you could just be wasting another whole season and then you're not any closer to finding a quarterback after next year. So I just think people have to acknowledge there's like there is there's downside in inaction. Like inaction doesn't mean no risk. Anyway. So one thing that I've that I've uh, seen a lot of is you know Russell Wilson's cooked I'm just going to give you his stats the first five games of the season before he got, you know, before his finger got mangled. Uh, it was 90 of 125, which is 72 completion percentage, uh, 1196 yards, which was good for you know 9.6, 9.6 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, one interception, quarterback rating of 125. Uh, so that's what he, that's what he was before he got hurt. And he comes back. He has a couple bad games. Uh, I mean, he came back like inhumanly early from the injury that he had. Like, there's no way that he should have come back after only missing. I think it was like three games plus a bye week. A finger um, injury came back for a quarterback. Yeah, who's throwing it was on his throwing hand. <laughs> so, like, uh, and it was a bad injury. Like, it wasn't some you know run of the mill like broken finger or something like that. It was like a legit injury that he should have kept him out longer than it did. Uh, but he rushed back and he didn't look the same for the first couple games. Uh, back half of the season, I don't have the stats in front of me, but, uh, you know, they're pretty much right in line with, with what he's been over the course of his career. So he's not cooked. Like the, the idea that he's cooked is, is absurd to me. He's 33 years old, which of course that is, you know, less than ideal, uh, to trade for a quarterback, but that, that, that is that old. But if you think he can be, you know, like a, a high level quarterback, for the next five years. And in my opinion, there's no reason to believe that he can't because he's very, he's like, that was the first injury that he, that has kept him out of a game in his career. He had never missed a game prior to that since he came into the league. And what was it? 2012. Yeah. Nick uh, Foles, that he, that he same year. The league. So uh, the idea that to me that he's cooked and, and like, and that everything has to be perfect on the roster before you can add the quarterback. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. If you can get the quarterback, Get it. Get the quarterback. <laughs> Jimmy banged on his table for those who can't like didn't know what that was. <laughs> that's what matters in the NFL. Do you have a quarterback or do you not? Yeah. You, if you don't, you don't have a chance. So yeah, like Jalen Hurts absolutely like showed some promising things this year. No doubt got better at a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I think there's like the, the the book on his career certainly isn't written and he can, you know, still continue to improve and be get better as a starting NFL quarterback. 
but there's no comparison between him and Russell Wilson. Like, are you kidding me? There's no difference. Like, it's not even close. Russell Wilson is way, way better than Jalen Hurts. And if you have a chance to get him, go out and do it is, is what I would say. Um, of course, you know, as you mentioned, they're probably going to ultimately land back on Jalen Hurts. Maybe the cost for Russell Wilson is going to be like absurdly too high. I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners saw the tweet by Daniel Jeremiah where yeah, he said, angered everyone. who says no for uh, to like three first round picks and a second round pick next year for Russell Wilson. Now, I wouldn't do that necessarily. I wouldn't trade three first round picks and a two next year for Russell Wilson. If that's what the cost is, then yeah, I probably pass on that and I go back to Jalen Hurts next year and I reassess, you know, in 2023. But if the cost is, I don't know, a couple twos, Hurts, and like an Andre Dillard or something like that, all day I'm doing that. Like there's no no doubt in my mind I, I would do that and the, the build around uh, Russell Wilson going forward. So the idea that like everything has to be great, your defense has to be great, you have to have like a ton of like surrounding talent uh, around Russell Wilson before you can add a player like that is nuts to me. Like the idea that the Eagles have holes all over the roster and you got to fix those first before you get the quarterback. No, get the quarterback and then fix the holes. Like that's like you can get to the playoffs and win playoff games with a good quarterback and just an okay roster around them. It's like the Seahawks did it for years. The Seahawks themselves did it for freaking years. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with that. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about how our good friend Patrick at 76 Eagles on Twitter pointed out that like Russell Wilson's down year was the third best season of any Eagles quarterback or would be for the past 22 years. Like, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of what, like quarterback rating or. Yeah, I guess. And everything just okay. really, if you just look at the numbers across the board. Um, but I mean, ultimately I think Russell Wilson won't want to come here. At least I'm kind of thinking that could be the case. So, uh, it might not even be necessarily the Eagles fault. Uh, you know, if that's the case. I think you would. So I, I, first of all, there was a tweet by, uh, Chris Mortensen, Months ago, yeah, that said, uh, do I, you know, do I think Russell Wilson would wave his no trade? Clause? It wasn't worded this way. I don't think exactly, but would he want to go to Philly? Yes, I think he would. Um, and you look at like what Russell Wilson's other options might be, like New York is a great New Orleans media town, but <laughs> do you want to go there? They have nothing. Saints. Like that team has nothing. Saints would be a nice landing spot for him for sure. If uh, they could pull that off, but I mean, what do they have asset wise? I mean, I feel like you could figure it out. Um, maybe you know. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been shy about mortgaging things. I think they would. They could do it uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just kind of frustrating to me. Is where I kind of land on it. I mean, I, I it's what Howie has to say uh, because even if he you know didn't believe that, you know, you want to maintain the position that you feel great about your quarterback because you he might be. He's assessing the situation and he knows that he kind of might be stuck with that option. So, you know, no other choice to, but to really kind of gas your own guy up. And also that, you know, to hold uh, leverage and if trade situations do arise and it doesn't look like you're totally desperate. Um, so I get why he has to say it. But like, I just don't get excited when all of a sudden people like see that tweet or see those things. And then everyone's like, all right, now we can focus on the defense. Like, it's just, that doesn't excite me at all because the defense is not going to get them. Like, I don't, I just don't know what that's going to get them. And this is, this is like assumption that you're just going to get like all pro players at each of those picks in the teens. Like, no, that's, that's and that's specifically right. for the Eagles and their hit rate on first round picks, which has not been great. By the way, if you right. look at the most recent examples, you know, Devontae Smith obviously is, is very promising, but he's also at 10, which is, you know, 
These picks are a little lower than that. Not to say the Eagles can't hit on those picks, but just the assumption that they will. And like, it's like, well, it's three all pro players versus Russell Wilson. Which would you rather? No, it's not like that. They're probably going to miss on one of those. And to me, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Like you have to have to like not an option have to trade for at least one 2023 first round pick. If you're rolling with Russ, uh, with. Jalen Hurts next year. Like you have to. How can you not do that? How could you take all the picks this year and use them? And then you get to this point next offseason where it's kind of similar thing. Jalen Hurts disappointing in the playoffs or you don't even make the playoffs, you know, and you're just stuck at quarterback. And now you use those picks on defensive players. Great. But now you don't have a quarterback. So you're the Broncos. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And the other thing too, with uh, trading for a pick in, in 2023, we'll actually get to that in a little bit because that was part of uh, uh, Howie Roseman's press conference too. But you have to like have a partner that wants to yes. give you their 2023 pick. So like, that's no guarantee that happened uh, a few times in the draft this past year. Um, and you know, where teams traded up for quarterbacks and they gave up picks in 2020 in 2022 rather. Um, but with a quarter, with a draft that isn't as, you know, quarterback is, it doesn't have as much talent at quarterback this year. Um, you're unlikely to see that as much And the Eagles traded back. And that wasn't for, a quarterback. I don't know what Miami was thinking. Like that's one of the weirdest trades. The Miami fans have to be furious, by the way, about that trade moving up. Jalen Waddle was even good too, but even with him being good his rookie year, like how can they possibly be happy with with that trade moving up from mm. twelve to six, taking a quarterback and or taking Especially a receiver and- as they need a quarterback now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, a little off topic there, but. Uh, yeah, that, that that I mean, you have to have a, a team that's 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 also willing to do that. The other part of the uh, press conference that uh, that I think was the most interesting was they were less um, emphatic about the entirety of the coaching staff mm. uh, returning next year. Um, of course, we've seen uh, Jonathan Gannon get a bunch of uh, interviews for head coaching jobs, which I don't know what that's all about. Like, <laughs> I don't three. I don't, He's up to I, three. I. I, I I can't understand why there's so much interest in him. Like, okay, one team wanted to interview him, fine. But now that, like, you have, like, and the, who was it? The Texans, the Broncos, and what was the third and team? And the Vikings. He has connections to all three of those openings. Like, he worked for the Vikings, uh, Patton, or Peyton, the former uh, Vikings, like, you know, assistant GM or whatever is now in Denver. And then with Houston, uh, Casario is from, like, not too far. His high school was not too far from where Gannon's high school was. And, uh, yeah, I think you have to go back to the fact that Josh McDaniels was going to be an indie and I think kind of brought Gannon in before, you know, he actually mm-hmm. fully, like, before he okay. dipped out. And obviously, I think McDaniels and, you know, Casario from being from New England are tight and he probably said good things about Gannon. So the, the, the two things that, like, these other, so what, what happens is <laughs> during these interview, uh, periods, is you'll see media guys talk up the the strengths of uh, you know potential coaching hires and the two that and like these guys don't know that much about you know these assistant coaches but they're being fed lines and the common thing that's yeah. being said about Jonathan Gannon is that he's smart and he quote unquote connects with players so at least that makes sense in terms of what the what you know what the appeal is in him because it certainly can't be. You know what he showed on the field with the Eagles defense this year. Like they finished of all the playoff teams, I think they finished last uh, in defensive DVOA. I think I have that correct. Um, and uh, I mean, 
we already talked at length about the you know the the good the, the good quarterbacks that that shredded their their defense all season long. It's not like their personnel was really that bad on defense. Losing Brandon Graham uh, early in the season certainly helped, but they have Fletcher Cox, they have Javon Hargrave. Josh Sweat is is a decent enough edge rusher. Darius Slay was a Pro Bowl player. Safeties are you know are, are you know legitimate NFL like, players, uh, seasoned you know NFL veterans. Uh, Steven Nelson had a good year. Vontae Maddox had a good year. It's not like this was like a load of crap that he was working with on defense. And I mean, they just didn't really do a lot with it. And they consistently got beaten in sort of the same way, game after game. So it's it's just weird to me that he's getting all these interviews. Um, do you have anything to add on Gannon? And I also wanted to just ask you, like, if you think any of the other, like, positional coaches are maybe in danger of, of losing their jobs. Well, like, on the – you mentioned Brandon Graham got hurt. I mean, that was, like, it, though, mostly, right? Like, it's not yeah, like you yeah, even yeah. had a I ton mean, of they, injuries. They, they, they had really good uh, injury luck this year, especially compared to, like, the last three I was going to say, contrast years. that with Jim Schwartz, who, like, you know, was working with freaking Josh Hawkins out there in a Saints game because they were so banged up. <laughs> and, like, they still yeah. only hold that team to whatever, like, 20 points. Um, yeah, so I think there is a chance that Gannon might be a better head coach than a defensive coordinator. So, like, from that, I, I don't really, like, rule that out because I think, you know, when you hear him talk in a press conference, he sounds like this is a guy you might want to buy stock in. Like, he seems, like, smart. Um, seems like likable. Like I, I kind of get the appeal of why you would want to interview him. Like that's not crazy to me, but I just think it's too soon for a team to hire him. Um, he should but, interview well too, based on what you just said. Right. Too. Exactly. Yeah. And, but I just, you know, I just don't think he's built enough of a resume with like results, you know, like to, to really like have that full confidence just yet. Like anyway, so we'll see. Um, if he doesn't get, uh, if he isn't retained and, Maybe there's a decent chance if he's interviewing for three different jobs, uh, which mm-hmm. ones again where he does have connections to each of them, which probably is working very much in his favor. Um, you know, there's some interesting names out there. I don't think Brian Flores is going to have to necessarily take a defensive coordinator job because he might just get a head coach job. There's a lot mm-hmm. of openings out there, but if he doesn't, I mean, you call him. Um, Patrick Graham is someone I'd, you know, keep an eye on. Uh, with the Giants, he's currently, I think they kind of want to keep him, but if, you know, they hire someone in a different, uh, the coach has a different defensive coordinator in mind. You can keep an eye on him. Um, Mike Zimmer is out there, and I think that might not be the best hire from the standpoint of uh, it seems like some of the failings there in Minnesota where like an inability to connect with players and everything. And mm-hmm. Sirianni is big on that. And uh, I know the Eagles in the past have not liked hard coaching with Deuce Staley and different things. So I don't think that might not will be a realistic fit from personality standpoint, but from scheme standpoint, I mean, you know, you, you hired, I think, I think the Eagles hired Gannon in part because they liked his background working in a Zimmer defense. So mm-hmm. you can look at that. And, and Vic Fangio, I think is the obvious. And they wouldn't have to change around the scheme much if, if uh, you brought right. Zimmer in. So and I think uh, Fangio. And, is, and, you, and you said Fangio is a, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just is, in case I was talking over you, he said Vic Fangio. Yeah, that's <laughs> the real, you know, I think obviously top of the market kind of name. Just yes. track record, really good defensive coordinator. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he that, that Bears team that the Eagles beat in the playoffs that year, um, and that, that team – their starting quarterback was Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. So like they won all those games. I think they were what 12 and four that year. They won all those games because that bears defense was awesome. Yeah. And I mean, they did a good job against the Eagles in that, in that uh, playoff game, but they just couldn't score on offense and that's why they lost. So Fangio got that head coaching job as a result of that. But I think he's probably best suited to be a defense quarter and coordinator in the NFL. And yeah, you're right. Like he's at the top of the list. If, uh, if do you think the Eagles are like kind of secretly hoping 
that Gannon finds a head coaching job somewhere so they can hire one of these other guys? Um, I don't know. Like, it seems like they like him. Um, what about you? It seems like you think that's a yes. I think like if they could get a guy like Fangio, that's a well, major sure. upgrade over Gannon. So, right. Uh, in in a way, I don't think they mind much if they lost uh, Gannon to a head coaching job. I mean, but it's not like they're going to fire Gannon, you know, if he right, yeah, 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 yeah. right, right. So if yeah, he, that's why I say that's why I phrase it that way, like secretly hoping he gets a head coaching job <laughs> so that they can maybe upgrade if without they, having to fire him. Yeah, if they knew they can get a clear upgrade, sure. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think just at any cost. I don't think they're just like you know get this guy out of here, but we don't want to fire him, and then we'll just hire whoever. Um, so, uh, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? Well, one we... quick thing on the, uh, assistant oh, coaching. Yeah. Staff. Sorry. Do you think uh, you. anyone else is in danger? Um, yeah. I mean, we've seen that. I think <laughs> year after year, there's like usually some shuffling of, uh, position coaches, maybe, uh, Aaron Moorhead, wide receivers coach, the Christian yep, Roach of North Realtors walks into the background here, um, and closes the door. Um, uh, maybe Tracy Rocker, your defensive line coach, defensive line underproduced this year. And also Tracy Rocker, like I remember that was kind of a suspect hire to me in the first place, just based on his background uh, of like not really lasting in the NFL when he was with the Titans. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't really think that's necessarily the best. And they've had a lot of turnover at defensive line coach really. Uh, so what about you? So the other one that I think, uh, so Matt Mullen, uh, Philly voice sports editor, he went to university in Miami, so he follows uh, them pretty closely. And apparently there's rumors that Brian Johnson is under consideration there for their offensive oh, wow. coordinator job. So uh, what a scoop I, don't, I, don't, from... I, haven't looked, I haven't looked into that or anything, but um, that would be interesting if they lost him because then they'd have to, of course, hire a new uh, quarterbacks coach. But um, yeah, I would agree with Aaron Moorhead. I mean, we haven't seen enough progression from a bunch of high picks in yeah. – JJ, of course, and um, JJ being like a, a similar receiver as Aaron Moorhead when he was in the league, like bigger guy has to win like contested catches. Uh, and Jalen Rager has done nothing. And he's mm. from, we'll get to him. Worse than nothing. Him in the, uh, in the press conference. Uh, but yeah, so I would agree with Aaron Moorhead and Tracy Rocker. Uh, he wasn't like on my mind, but you know, now that you mentioned him, I think that makes sense too. All right, so we'll see on those. I'm sure we'll find out about coaching assistant changes pretty soon, maybe before even this podcast gets posted. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but we'll take a break here, Jimmy, but not before I tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can get yourself some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky while you're watching the rest of the playoffs and throughout the offseason. And it's a shame, an underrated uh, angle to the Eagles losing to the Bucks is they did not load up on their righteous felon craft jerky before the game. A classic mistake True. we've seen from the Eagles before. Really inexplicable. But if you want to be a winner in your life, then you need some righteous felon craft jerky. And you can get some by going to righteousfelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You won't regret it. Jimmy. Back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 233. Jimmy, I had such a fun time 
on the NFC East mixtape this week with RJ Ochoa sorting through the aftermath of the Cowboys loss. Uh, really just a beautiful thing. Um, I was smiling for before we started the <laughs> podcast. I couldn't even like talk at first because I was just smiling when I saw RJ, like, and we, we went on StreamYard and I just started cracking up. <laughs> I guess it was just so good. It was so delicious. So, um, uh, I think we'll talk about that Schadenfreude. Schaden, how do you say that word? Schaden. Schadenfreude, I think. Schadenfreude. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, Jimmy, we need to get to the rest of the Howie presser. You touched on Jalen Rager and Sirianni yeah. ranking the receivers. Uh, what did you make of all that? Because it seems like you have something to say about this. <laughs> I mean, they were critical about they're critical of Rager, which uh, of course, I mean, they, I mean, there's no way they could they could get around, you know just be blindly praising him after mm. uh, the last two seasons. And, but they were honest. They said uh, that they talked to him and they said that he has not, you know, met their expectations and needs to be better. And uh, obviously that's all true. Uh, it was funny that Nick Sirianni just kind of on his own ranked the right, the wide receivers, <laughs> which he said, Devonte Smith is a legit number one receiver in the NFL. Yes. Uh, I agree with that, but he doesn't uh, treat him like that, which is annoying, but yes, it's weird. Yeah. Cause they don't, I mean, it's crazy to me that in that playoff game, by the way, he oh wound up with, I think 11 targets. But, yeah. Fake uh, number. Exactly. They the, got one target, I think in the first half. And it came with like one 13 remaining, I think in the second quarter, his first target. Okay. Like, what are we yeah, doing? And, you had guys like Miles Sanders, Rager, uh, <sighs> not uh, who else? Quez. Kenny Gainwell, uh, Quez, each getting you know a couple targets each in the first half, just totally unacceptable. But anyway, uh, he had Devonte as the number one receiver, of course. He said Quez is the number two, thinks he can be a, a, a very good number two receiver in the NFL. Said he didn't get as many opportunities as your typical number two receiver would because mm. they're a run first offense. I don't buy the Quez Watkins as number two receiver personally. I think uh, they need to find number three, a number I would two. Say. Yeah, I think he's, and I like Quez, uh, but I think he's more of like a number three kind of guy. And they said that Rager is three. <laughs> and I don't think he's a three either for that matter. Like, I think he's more of like a five, but <laughs> if that even, uh, but a lot of people seem to think that he won't be on the team in uh, 2022. Yeah, guess what? He's going to be on the team, everyone. He's I a first round disagree. Pick. You think so? You think he's going to make the team? He's a so, first round pick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's a first round pick. Howie decides on the roster. He's got full control over the final 53, and he drafted him two years ago. He's not going to admit – I mean, he's willing to admit that he's been bad the first two years, but he is not going to take an L after just two years. So number one, I can't have him be on the team for my own mental health, so I have to go forward <laughs> believing this is true. That's number one. I have to will it into existence. Okay. Number two, I get what you're saying, but like I feel like this is just like unforgivable though. Like JJ never struggled this <laughs> like JJ was never like this embarrassingly terrible. Like he had obviously some bad moments, but it wasn't like this bad where and also like some of this is effort stuff too. Like, and I think that's really important to note because some players just aren't good and they're like, like JJ, but like JJ, his fault is never, is like not trying Always hard enough. That's hard. never yeah. been yeah. an issue. Yeah. J Rager, it is clear as day that he's just loafing on routes. You can see it. And I guess that <laughs> comes from a place of he, like, he isn't getting, he thinks he's not getting the ball enough or whatever, but this has also been an issue going back to TCU and, and throughout the season. Like you can find examples of him and Johnny Page. You know, has been doing this in our breakdowns for BGN all year, where Rager just isn't giving it his full effort. And like 
that's not coaching or whatever. That's like, that's, he has to own that, right? And again, it was an issue back in college. So I just think that's a big issue and kind of makes it different too. And like, I, what is Rager though? If he's, so if he's back, what is he then? Is he like, is he a starting receiver for this team? Because if he's not, is he playing special teams? Cause he's like, you can't really contribute there either. So like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like if he's back on the team, what is his role basically is my question to you. Uh, so the, the funny thing about the game uh, against the Buccaneers was on the, on the muffed punt, like, you know, normally you see guys kind of like skulk off the field after, you know, messing up. So obviously and clearly there's nobody else to blame, but you in that kind of situation, he's looking around, like it was someone else's fault. Like, like he's That's looking at loser, like, God, man. like, why did you, <laughs> why'd you make the wind blow or whatever it was? But he almost seemed like he was. Sort of, uh, you know, wondering why that could have possibly happened. Then he mm-hmm. then he muffed another punt. Uh, he wound up getting that back, uh, but whatever. Yeah, it just a just a horrible, horrible year for him. Obviously, two hundred ninety nine receiving yards uh, in seventeen games, and he played, you know, like a full, like a full, like full season worth of snaps. Like they never really took playing much playing time away from him at any part during the season. He was always consistently getting like over fifty snaps every every game, and just did absolutely nothing with his opportunities. He had three games where he had negative yards, <laughs> which which is like almost impressive in in a horrible way. And uh, your point is right that like you know a guy like JJ at least has sort of embraced the idea of contributing in other ways if. You know, he couldn't be sort of the receiver that everyone thought he could be coming out of college where he's at least playing special teams. He's doing like the dirty work, blocking and whatever. I thought it was hilarious that Nick Sirianni called him a quote unquote enforcer <laughs> as a blocker, but uh, whatever. It was complimentary of, of, you know, what Greg Ward does for the team and what JJ does for the team. But I think that both of those guys can't be back either. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, like they, they got to go, I think, too. Um, I think Rager should also go. But and another reason why he'll probably be back, too, is because you only have two receivers. You have mm-hmm. you have Devontae and you have Quez, and that's it. And certainly I think they're going to address that position uh, in the draft. And I think there's a decent enough chance that they'll look for sort of like a mid-range uh, free agent. I think and, you have to. Yeah, you have yeah, to like, add someone in like, free agency. Like, like, like last year, they went after Juju for like, uh, right. you know, a smaller. Or did amount. they? Like, There's a whole under ten million. Oh, was there? Okay. Yeah, it was oh, like, that's well, right. I remember there was some. Uh, the Schefter put out they had interest, and then Howie very clearly texted him and was like, "No, don't say that. <laughs> say this thing instead." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what did he sign for? Like eight, it's like seven, eight million, something like that. So, uh, yeah, if you can find a guy like him. Uh, in sort of like that mid-range money, then yeah, I think that's a possibility. But I mean, it's still a like every year wide receivers near the top of the list mm-hmm. of this team's needs. But uh, it was at least uh, encouraging to acknowledge uh, that Jalen Rager was flat out bad this season. But like again, because you didn't answer my question, like you, you know oh, Rager's sorry. not going to embrace that role. So like then what is he? If he's mm-hmm. not a starting receiver on this team, then what is he? Like, I don't understand like what he would even be on this team. Like a a fourth or fifth receiver who doesn't play special teams. Uh, you're not going to have him returning punts next year, or are they? Like that's it's we've seen enough. We've seen enough. Again, not every player. I, I think the idea of patience. Maybe I'm just saying this as a millennial. I think the idea of patience is so <laughs> overrated. Like sometimes you just. A spade is a spade. You don't have to wait for it to become a different card. Cause it's not, cause it's a spade. And I just think we've seen enough from Jalen Rager. Like, 
the best comp you can put him to is like Nelson Aguilar. And okay, but like that seems pretty unlikely. And also, Aguilar hasn't been like this amazing Aguilar player. Aguilar showed way more his first two years in the league. Way more. Like he, he ran legit good routes. Like you could see him smoking like Richard Sherman, like when Richard Sherman was good, like on some of pass. his routes. And, and <laughs> yeah, but he just couldn't catch. And once he got, once he was able to catch a little bit, he was at least effective. Yeah, I just, I sorry just don't. You, sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> no, I just don't think that there's, le- there's nothing more to see here. And if he goes elsewhere and has success, is anyone going to be kicking like themselves or like the hating on the Eagles for that? No, to me that would be that's almost like a Chris Carter thing at that point. In different way, different situation, obviously in terms of off the field. But like it'd be a a, a situation where he needed to get cut, John Rigger, and maybe honestly that's what's best for him is getting cut or mm-hmm. or traded or you know traded for someone else's bust. You know, not, obviously not trading him for anything of value, but something else that you can you know get for him just to maybe get off the contract or whatever. I, I just think it's a total lost cause, and I just I. What more is there to see? I don't understand like what more you need to see out of this player. He's clearly bad, and it's time to move on. So I am going to choose to believe he is gone, but, I mean, you could be right, but, I mean, that would just be a huge mistake. One um, more thing on the effort thing, too. Uh, uh, there was the Baldy breakdown where, first of all, oh, his, yeah. his breakdown was ridiculous to begin with, where, like, Josh, basically he was – he was uh, <laughs> He was sort of trying to make the point that the Buccaneers defense was basically uh, devising their scheme over Rager being terrible. Um, and Not he a bad absolved, strategy. He absolved Jalen Hurts of the play where Quez Watkins was wide open right down the mm-hmm. middle of the field and he didn't see it or he didn't or he did see it. And he just didn't pull the trigger on that anyway. And instead, you know, escaped the pocket and eventually tried to throw it to Rager. Pat's got tipped at the line. Doesn't matter. Whatever. But what he focused on was uh, Jalen Rager getting jammed at the line. <laughs> it was actually what he did show in that video was like pretty comical, really, because uh, was Jamel Dean was uh, was was jamming him at the line. He, he just didn't move. Like he didn't get off the like he didn't move a step off the line for like the first three or four seconds of that route. And then finally, Dean let him go, and uh, he wound up sort of like becoming open after uh hurts you know escaped the pocket or left the pocket whatever uh so i just thought that was in the sort of another funny uh but but on the effort front it really didn't look like he was try- like like there didn't, didn't seem like much effort for him from him trying to beat that jam uh at the line so i'm with you there it's not just a matter of of him not playing well it's not him trying as hard as he should all pro cornerback jamal dean too really you know <laughs> just a lockdown guy um yeah that's some of that stuff is just so discouraging. Uh, moving on, uh, you also have written down here in your show notes, sheet, Jimmy, that uh, Howie not necessarily budging on teams' positional valuations. <laughs> yeah, which obviously linebacker would be the big point of emphasis there. Anything to say about that? Yeah, I think that was a Mike. I think that was a Mike K question. He, you know, sort of cited some facts about the Eagles' draft history and that they haven't drafted a linebacker since in the first round since. 1979 they haven't drafted a safety in the first round ever uh i didn't realize this but they, i guess they haven't drafted a cornerback uh in the first round since in, in like 20 years which i guess would have been leto shepherd in the uh early 200s wow. or 2000s rather um hmm. but uh hold on let me pull up what their actual quote here was my apologies for not having this ready already uh okay so 
He said, I think we have a philosophy on how to build this team, a philosophy that we think has been successful. Obviously, you'd like more championships every time you're out there, but we're going to stay committed to the way we think of building the team. And all right. So like their philosophy of building the team is under the old like Andy Reid model where um, quarterback first and foremost is, is of greatest important, importance. You need two good tackles. You need edge rushers. And then secondarily, you need, um, you know, cornerbacks and, uh, you know, uh, and my receivers. Um, I would probably add that more recently they have really uh, upped the value of interior defensive linemen and uh, also maybe interior offensive linemen as well. But uh, they stay committed to not giving a rat's ass about linebacker and safety because they just don't put really any resources into it at all. And year after year, we see that they are hurt by not having like a legitimately good starting linebacker. Like I like TJ Edwards a lot. And I think that if he had, you know, more athleticism, he would be potentially a star linebacker, but he just doesn't. He's, he's very instinctive. He's tough. He makes the plays that he should make, but ultimately like he's not going to be a playmaking linebacker. And Davion Taylor, of course they took in the third round and he's got that athleticism. If you could like combine his speed and athleticism with, uh, you know, uh, Edwards mentality, you'd have like a star linebacker there, but you know, each of those guys sort of is missing one component or the other. And then uh, Alex Singleton is just kind of a guy in my opinion. So in this defense specifically, these linebackers can get exposed because they're asked to do way more in Jonathan Gannon's defense than they were asked to do in Jim Schwartz's defense. So you got to adjust. And if they're sort of, um, mindset is that we just don't think that linebackers are that important. That's flat out wrong because uh, when you don't have good linebackers, they get exposed in, in today's NFL. And we've sort of seen that over and over again in whatever Eagles defense, you know, over the last four or five years. I think they need to be prioritizing defensive playmakers, you know, as opposed yeah. to just like honing in on a position. If there's a linebacker out there who makes plays, gets interceptions, forces fumbles, like, get him <laughs> or, or can yeah. get sacks. Yeah. Obviously, Micah Parsons is kind of a, a rare example, but I kind of was bringing that up to you earlier. Like maybe there's a linebacker out there and they would take him to because they felt like he, he or feel like they can give him more pass rush juice um, and significantly. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'm counting on them taking a Nicobe Dean or a Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd, yeah. But, obviously, a lot of people want those guys or at least one of those guys. Um, but if they can make plays, then the Eagles should be considering them. It's not, it's not about the position to me. It's about getting, you know, assuming, you know, quarterback is out of the equation, which we already talked about, then they have to key on and anyone on defense who can kind of make a play. Cause I think if we're going to give Jonathan Gannett, Gannon, um, some slack in terms of we were talking about the defensive personnel he had earlier, doesn't necessarily have a lot of playmakers outside of Slay. Um, you know, not guys who are like, you know, going to make like you count on to get you like a pick or whatever, uh, or a big strip. Um, so I will, I will say that. And they definitely need some more of that. Um, we kind of talked about, was, uh, yeah, the 2023 picks that we were getting to. So yeah. So like how he they was asked one. pretty much, would you be, would you be open to trading one of your picks this year for a pick in 2023? Maybe they have to, like- they have to do it. <laughs> Maybe not one for one on that, of course, but move back and pick up a, a first round pick in 2023 is the way that would work. Um, 
And yeah, of course, like, duh. Yeah, they're going to, yeah, he's open to that. It was the best thing he did last year was uh, moving back from six to 12 and then ultimately you know, ending up with Devontae Smith anyway. So yeah, would I repeat the best thing that I did last year? Yeah, I would. Thank you. So like, I think we can move on. I think that's like the, one of the most ideal things that can happen for the Eagles in this draft is to somehow turn one of those first round picks into, you know, a pick also this year. Uh, a later pick this year, but then also a first round pick in, in 2023. That'd be great for us too, by the way, because it's another fun thing to monitor during the season next year. Sure. Yeah. For everyone. Um, they have to, I just don't, I don't, it's a non-negotiable, a non-negotiable thing to me. Like they have to have that flexibility because the worst case scenario is they don't need it and Hertz does ball out and Hey, now you have an extra pick to, you know, get exactly. another person. Like I just don't see the scenario where you think it's okay to use all three picks this year and just leave yourself nothing next year in the event that Hertz isn't the guy. And it's not even necessarily about getting that pick to draft someone, you know, it's, it's having that option or being able to trade it. Like I just, I don't see how they can't. And, and to your point earlier, they have to find a willing partner, which isn't a guarantee. And I acknowledge that. Although I do think, you know, there's a decent chance they can because, you know, depending how far you're willing to move back or anything. And it'll be interesting to see where the quarterbacks go in this year. It seems possible that like maybe one or none will go before the Eagles are kind of picking there in that range. So there could be a team maybe that there's a quarterback there and the Eagles don't like him, but there's still someone there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like uh, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, something like that. Yeah. Malik Willis even, you know, who knows? Um, sure. We'll see, but that's something to monitor. You know, we'll talk about that a lot in throughout the off season. Uh, you also have, what is Fletcher Cox's standing with the team going forward? Yeah, they tried about? to trade him during the off during the uh, at the trade deadline, and he acknowledged that. Well, he, maybe he didn't necessarily say that we tried to trade him. He said we got offers on him. Well, um, Fletcher, according to Jeff McLean, back to the story he wrote after that was like Fletcher wanted to be shopped. He wanted out because you know he wasn't having a good time in Jonathan Gannon's defense. Yeah, and uh, how he acknowledged that. Yeah, they're like, and he even said like at the time, you know, we weren't looking like. He didn't say it worded exactly like this, but they're, they're you know, right around the trade trade deadline, they were two and five. So, uh, yeah, it made sense for them to to get whatever they could. I mean, they should have traded him during the off season when he still had value. It was pretty Last easy to predict. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty easy to predict that um, you know he was going to have sort of a drop off in uh, in production because uh, we saw we we saw the previous year and he's you know another year older. It made sense to deal him for. I remember at the time thinking that like a second round pick would be reasonable for him and never got any pushback from any, from anyone on that. Like that's ridiculous. Uh, Now forget that. Like no way in hell anyone's given a second round pick for him or at the trade deadline, obviously, but nothing got done at the trade deadline Uh, wound up finishing the season. Actually, like I thought he like really looked disinterested at times during the first half of the season. But as the season progressed, uh, his effort was a lot better, and I thought he was, you know, more disruptive in the second half of the season. And uh, he, he actually uh, played uh, well in the uh, in the playoff game against the Bucks. So, you know, the Eagles once upon a time traded for Darius Slay uh, on the premise that he would play harder for uh, a better team in Philadelphia than what he was used to playing for. In, uh, in Detroit. So, you know, maybe some other team out there goes, oh, well, you know, he'll, Fletcher Cox will play better in our defense than he has the last couple of years in Philadelphia. And they throw the Eagles some kind of pick. But the Eagles were, um, you know, willing to trade him, of course, at the trade deadline. And I assume they would also be willing to trade him and get rid of his, you know, his, his contract essentially um, 
it's a big cap hit if they, if they do trade them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think they'd be willing to do that again this offseason as well. My mind on it was that like if you're trading for Russell Wilson and you're really kind of, you know, we're looking at this as you're ready to win, then I don't think you would get rid of him. So I don't think that makes the most sense. But if you are rolling with Hertz again and you're kind of still trying to balance competing, winning now and looking to the future and building, not rebuilding, but building as Howie Roseman said, then yeah, I think you would look to get rid of him. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Jimmy, who I did think he, you know, he did play better in the second half, but still not to the level of like where you need him to be for being your highest paid player on the team. Yeah. Fletcher Cox has four and a half sacks in the Eagles last 22 games. And that is just not good enough. That is not the, that's <laughs> right. not what you pay the highest player on the team to do. I don't want to hear about double teams and when all this other pressure he creates. Like that's not, that's not good enough. Four and a half sacks in 22 games. Like you don't pay a player elite money, like top five interior defensive lineman kind of money to get four and a half sacks. Like that is just not acceptable. So he's clearly overpaid. And it's also he, not true that he got a lot of double teams either. Yeah. And that's not true. And it's not like the Eagles were like league leaders in sacks. They're towards the bottom, right? So it's not like, you know, they're getting a ton. Like everyone, like, it's not like it was in 2014 or whatever when Fletcher Cox only had whatever six and a half sacks, or I can't remember off the top of my head, but like Connor Barwin had a ton and they were created yeah. by Fletcher. Like, that's clearly right, just wasn't right. the case. Like, no one else was like cleaning up and getting all these sacks. So yeah, I, it's, a, it's not a great contract. Um, I would very, I'd be very interested in seeing what the offers were if I were the Eagles for him and trying to get some good value before he totally just kind of goes in the tank and might kind of just be done too because he's played so many snaps in his career. Not done as mm-hmm. like he can't play in the NFL anymore, but like just not done as an impact player, like not being a real difference maker anymore like mm-hmm. he used to be. Um, part of part of the uh, part of the decision on that too is probably what they thought of. Milton Williams rookie season too. Yes. So uh, and he came you, on down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think if if he's uh if you think of him as as like a a you know week one starter in uh, 2022, then you're a lot more comfortable uh you know taking the hit and, and and trading Fletcher Cox. All right, next up, Brandon Brooks. They just <laughs> won't offer up anything. Is Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Brooks alive? Brooks. Like. <laughs> I hope so because I haven't seen him post. I, I was looking recently at like his Twitter and his Instagram to see if I could see like any sign of tweet or life or or even like a Twitter like or anything. Nothing. Like I don't know. It seems like like is there a story here? Like are we gonna like find out that I don't know? It's just like I don't want to speculate. But it's just really weird how he's kind of just basically been not heard from at all, and the Eagles can't even give us like a really crystal clear answer on him. So uh, I guess. Is he like he's going to retire? Maybe I don't know. So I can say that uh, somebody that I know that works in the building um, he said that Brandon Brooks is there. He's he's there, and he, okay. he actually works. He works out. Well, that's um, good in the to know. in the facilities there. So yeah, he was there throughout the season. It's not like he's just vanished. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, he, I, I'd be I'd be extremely surprised if he didn't uh, retire this off season. I mean, what's left for him? Like, he's played at a high level. He won a ring. He's been he's, since twenty January 2019. He's been through what, like two Achilles tears and dislocated shoulder. And, like, and like it's just, you know, it's been constant rehab for him for years. Yeah. Forget the and, injuries. It's all like the rehab that goes into like getting yourself back into shape. And uh, again, this year with uh, yet another injury and he's rehabbing all year, at some point, you just got to go, is this worth it? And for well, him, 
and he's super smart. Yes, like he can he can be he can contribute to society in many many other ways than than playing football. And uh, I think he does sort of have those off field interests, especially with you know mental health and 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 that and you know that whole thing. So um, yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd be shocked if he didn't retire this offseason. I think it makes the most sense for him. And then obviously the Eagles were giving weight to like trading him or whatever last, you know, off season, um, which they probably should have, but didn't come about. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I think Brandon Brooks is done, which, you know, isn't the biggest deal in terms of what the Eagles, like they have options moving forward with Landon Dickerson mm-hmm. and Jack Driscoll. Um, and we'll see, you know, what, how that goes in terms of do they put Sumalo at center if Jason Kelsey isn't back or, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts there, and we'll figure that out moving forward. But um, the last thing that you had written down here is Brandon Lee Graham will be back, which is a no-brainer to me. I mean, BG loves football, um, loves the Eagles, wants to be here, um, and really is the Eagles' at least second-best edge rusher, clearly, yes. especially with Derek Barnett, I'm pretty sure, not being back, right? Like, There's no way Derek Barnett is back. Yeah, well, you're not going to tag him, obviously. So no. um, he's going to hit the open market, I would assume, because they they didn't get a deal done with him. I mean, it seemed like there was a no-brainer that something was going to happen with him heading into last uh, offseason because they um, they picked up his fifth-year option. So he was going to be making he, – he made like over $10 million this year, uh, and it seemed like they had options with him to either – cut him instead of paying that $10 million to trade him to another team instead of paying that $10 million or to get a, an extension done uh, so that like they could significantly reduce that $10 million cap hit in 2021 and sort of push it out to future years. And they didn't do that. So, well, actually they, they eventually did sort of restructure his contract and put, put that money into, you know, those foofy void years later. But um it seemed like a, a he seemed like a very prime candidate for uh for you know a, a contract extension and it never got done. So to me that said that like there was a difference in opinion on what his value was. He thought he was worth more than what he is, and the Eagles thought he was less valuable than what he thinks he is probably. So uh, I assume that those two things will probably be true this off season as well. He'll probably test the open market. Some dumb team will throw him a lot of money, and he'll be gone. Who's gonna pay him? Is there a team that somebody, jumps out? The- there's a, there's always somebody. No, I don't mean I don't mean like in like no one will. I wasn't like trying to challenge you. I'm just trying to think like who who's gonna be that dumb team? I was trying to think. Is it like the Giants? <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, Washington? No, they're good. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, all right. So that's really the big things from the press conference this week. Um, oh, I got one. Okay. Tennessee. I'll go back with Schwartz. Okay, and they need. I I'm not like super familiar with their roster. They have Bud Dupree, right? They signed him. I don't know mm-hmm. who else they have. They uh well, is Harold Landry still there? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Uh all right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that one out. But we'll, <laughs> we'll take another break here, Jimmy, and then we'll get into our picks. And, no and, he, pick. and he went to Tennessee, of course. He right. went to college yeah, yeah. in Tennessee. Of course. <laughs> um so we'll take a break here, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach of RoachRealtors.com. Let's hear about her, Jimmy. Five. 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, call Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. You can also find her at roachrealtors.com. Brandon? Let's get ready to be back after this. 
Chris the Roach of Roach Real Tours. Roach Real Tours. Roach Real Tours. Chris the Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-92. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, final segment, no Eagles game this week, so sorry, depressing. But uh, before John, we actually finish the year in our Eagles pick straight up, where Jimmy fraudulently picked the Eagles last week, even though he didn't believe in them, <laughs> and he yeah. was punished the result. Because he finishes twelve and six with his Eagles straight up picks, where I finished fourteen and four, so I have the edge on you. But still, we are competing in our against the spread picks, which you're still alive in. If I really bomb these, because you are forty eight and forty eight now, and I'm fifty two and forty four, and all of our picks against the spread this year will go to the playoff. Or wait, no, sorry, Jimmy. Before the picks, I forgot this part. You have this on the schedule. Uh, it was an interesting. Or it was an enjoyable season for Eagles fans, but not necessarily anything that the Eagles had to do, but because <laughs> yes. of other teams around the league. Yeah, I mean, the, the schadenfreude, uh, as we alluded to earlier, sort of off the charts for the Eagles this year because you had, well, first of all, Tennessee played really well um, throughout the season and, you know, kind of took a stranglehold of that AFC South uh, division, yeah. which was huge for the Eagles pick. Um, that, you know, the, the Colts owe the Eagles for the trade of Carson Wentz. Miami was terrible. Uh, the first, you know, half of the season, they got it together and they won like, what, what was it? Seven games in a row. Uh, they started so one and seven. They, yeah. They hurt, they, they hurt that pick <laughs> ultimately. But, uh, I think that people would have more or less signed up for where that pick landed, them not making yeah. the playoffs and such. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the Colts pick, the the Dolphins pick both landed in the mid teens, which is great for the Eagles, in my opinion. And then, uh, just as far as like enjoyment of seeing like hateable teams, like sort of just collapse. You have the Giants, who were like the worst team in the NFL by the time the season was over. They didn't have the worst record, but they they like there was no team worse than them at the end of the year. The Cowboys, of course, as you mentioned earlier. Just a delicious loss. I mean, that ranks up there with like an all timer in terms of like just the crazy stuff that happened in that game. When he and took after. off running, dude, <laughs> when, when he took off running, I was like, in my mind, I went, that's game. They're not getting this snap <laughs> off. I remember like watching training camp in the Chip Kelly years where like they would be in like ultra, you know, fast mode and they'd been practicing like their, their fast tempo like all summer long. And they would, you know, be able to get up to the – they'd be able to, like, run one play from the next in, like, 10 to 11 seconds. But there's no, like, umpire spotting the ball for them. <laughs> but also, it's all they did. It's all that offense did, and it still took them, like, 10 to 11 seconds. So when he took off running, I'm like, 14 seconds? There's no way they're getting this off in time. Sure enough, like, umpire kind of bounces off Dak as he's trying to get through the line to spot the – by the way, Dak slid at the 26-yard line. And the Cowboys spotted the ball at the 23 and that umpire 
gave them like the biggest <laughs> break ever because he just <laughs> he moved the ball like back like a foot or two. Uh-huh. He, like he could have easily made everyone walk back the three extra yards that the Cowboys center gave them at the end of that play. But like he actually gave them a chance to get the like the forty like if they counted that's like if they snapped it and they did get it off in time, the 49ers would have had like a legitimate gripe like, to be absolutely furious at the way that was officiated because they just didn't snap. They didn't spot the ball at the right spot. They gave him three extra yards. The Cowboys are complaining about it. It's crazy that they're complaining as much as they did about it. Anyway, it's all been super, super enjoyable from like, like if you're an Eagles fan, <laughs> like watching that collapse as it happened. And then the subsequent bitching about the officiating thereafter has just been delicious to watch if you're like a Cowboys hater. And then of course, um, if you're, you know, you're unhappy with the way that Carson Wentz left Philadelphia, maybe you enjoyed watching him wreck the cold season the last two games of the year. So uh, from, from just the perspective of rooting, rooting interest outside of Philadelphia, it was like sort of perfect for uh, Eagles fans as the season kind of, uh, you know, as the regular season finished up. And then of course, in the first round of the playoffs, it really might be more enjoyable to not even be an Eagles fan, but just as a fan of (laughs) (laughs) rooting for other teams to fail. Um, Yeah. So uh, RJ and I both kind of eviscerated the Cowboys on the (laughs) NFC mixtape this week, which was really delicious. He was just so, he's just so, He's so broken about it. It, it was just, it's really great to see. Yeah, they're um, your Super Bowl pick. And I agree. Like they were well, scary. That, they're, 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 they're a super talented team and they blew it. Yeah. And I, and I genuinely believe, and that's part of what made this loss so, you know, devastating to them. And like any Cowboys fan, and I don't see a ton of them, but some of them were like, well, your team lost too. He was lost in the first round. It's like, it's not apples to apples here, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we knew that was going to happen. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> and your team was like a Super Bowl contender and like lost in the first round at home. The only team <laughs> yes. in the first round in the wild card round to lose at home. Um, yeah, really embarrassing. And again, not just because of the loss itself. It wasn't like, okay, this is like a game we could have won and we were in control. It was a game they weren't in control of, which is really concerning because they're playing the team, with the worst remaining quarterback in the playoffs. I think you could say Jimmy G. And the other thing is, Again, not just the loss, but then everything afterwards in terms of all the embarrassment. Not and not only for the short term, like this is oh, this is like a really bad moment, but whatever. We'll look ahead to the offseason. The problem is they're gonna lose a lot of key people in terms of free agents, maybe Dan Quinn, maybe both coordinators, we'll see. Right. And then even putting that aside, I think the Cowboys evaluation of themselves, they're not gonna be honest with themselves heading into this offseason because they think they lost because only because they got screwed, not because yep. they have deficiencies that actually need to be fixed. And again, it's not like they're hopeless because they still have Dak in place. Um, they draft pretty well. So like they have some good things going for them. They're not just going to be, you know, like the Giants all of a sudden. They're still going to be a competitive team at worst, uh, next year. But, you know, like I said to RJ and we all know, and it's not even <laughs> interesting to say, but there hasn't been a repeat winner in the division since 2004. So you can't just. You know, sit back if you're a Cowboys fan and assume you're going to win the division next yeah. year because it never happens. That, that doesn't mean they can't do it, but it's not just like a given by any means. So, uh, yeah, so it's really bad for the Cowboys, not only now, but like potentially moving forward as well. This could have been their window. Dave, Dave Mangles, you know, our good friend, uh, and BGN writer here wrote an article this week. Like, did we just see the peak of the Mike McCarthy era? And it's, it's quite possible that we did. So, uh, you look at ca- like Dak, Dak, both Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott's cap hits this year, they're yeah. humongous. So, this last year was like the last year that Dak has like a reasonable 
like cap number and they can still kick the can down the road. They already actually already have like they have, they've done sort of the same thing with the Eagles do with those void years. They've already done that with Dak, even after they just like re-sign him to another contract. So like uh, I think this year he's like 34, uh, somewhere around there. It's like low to mid thirties. And then they're after over 40 uh, each year. And Zeke is uh, like up close to 20 and he stinks now. So like those are like two, the Dak Prescott isn't devastating because he is a, like a good starting quarterback, but that Zeke contract is looking horrible right now. Yeah, and they can't restructure it like you would like to be able to because it's I think it's eighteen million this year, but you can't restructure it right because then if you're going to do that, then you're just you know you're only <laughs> making it harder to or more painful to move on from him, which yeah. like isn't even easy to do as soon as twenty. You can do it as soon as twenty twenty three, but it's not even like you know it's you're still going to have to pay a decent amount in dead cap. And then with the Dak thing. Like I agree that obviously you know he's a quarterback you can contend with, but he's also a quarterback who's making incredibly elite money for a guy with one playoff yes. win and one playoff right. win like, in a game yeah. where like I've said before, which I just think was insane because the Seahawks did not try to win that game because they didn't even try to throw the ball with Russell Wilson. They just ran like fifty times into the Cowboys' defensive line when they, the run game wasn't working at all. So that's Dak's sole playoff win. Yeah, they, they he uh, he's getting paid like a top you know, three to five quarterback and he's a borderline top 10 quarterback. So love to see that. Um, why don't we get into our picks, Jimmy? And we'll start with the Bengals at the Titans. Mm-hmm. Titans are three and a half point favorite. Who do you like in this one? I like the Bengals to win this game. And uh, the, the, um, I guess the, the hype around this game is Derek Henry could return uh, to, for the Titans. And, you know, you might look at that and go, uh oh, fresh Derrick Henry, ready for the playoffs now. That's pretty scary, and I agree. Like I get that sentiment. However, if you look at Week One of, uh, like you look at Derrick Henry's game log, Week One every season, he's like he hasn't performed really all that well. Hmm. He's a guy, in my opinion, that sort of needs to kind of get going, and then he starts dominating once he kind of gets his uh, sea legs, so to speak. Um, so this is kind of like his Week One if he does come back. And a little bit different in that respect, too, because, you know, leading up to the season, you're in training camp, you have maybe preseason games, whatever, but you're all lathered up and ready for the regular season. He just practiced for the first time this week. So, uh, or you know, had contact anyway for the first time this week. So, um, yeah, I think that if they rely too much on him uh, in that playoff game, it might backfire. And if they don't rely on him, then, you know, they're basically just not using the best part of their team. So, you know, either way, uh, I, I kind of like the Bengals in this game because they're young and they're fun and they don't care. Like they don't know that they're not supposed to be there or whatever. And Joe Barrow looks legit. We talk about like neophyte quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the first round of the playoffs. He was one of five that, uh, you know, won his first playoff game. Of course he was playing another guy that had never played uh, right. a playoff game before in Derek Carr. So one of those guys had to win, but uh, neophyte quarterbacks were one and four and he was the lone winner. And of course, with him, yeah, you might expect that because he's kind of played in some big games before. Like he was dominant the entire year for LSU. And, you know, they just killed everyone in the uh, college football playoffs. So he's played in bigger games uh, than the one that he played against the Raiders last week. No big deal for him. Jamar Chase is so freaking good. It's not even fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the Bengals are just a better team. And, uh, and I like them to win. I was asked for my Super Bowl pick when I was on the Philly Press Box Radio, I think last week, and not even just the winner, but like the game. And I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it, 
And I was like, I kind of, I feel really good about the Bengals. Like Joe Burrow is the real deal. He's the truth. I texted you during the, uh, you guys in, in the text thread during the, the game last week. And I said, Burrow is the MF truth. Like he is. He just yeah, like yeah. some of those passes he was, I was like, Oh my God, this guy is really good. And he obviously has a, you know, it's Jamar Chase, but you know, uh, T Higgins and, uh, why can't I think of the other guy's name? Really uh, Tyler Boyd. Yeah. T- like, also pretty really good options. And their tight end isn't bad either. Uzama too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Uzama can play. And I just think like what wins in the NFL really at the end of the day, like in a overall kind of thing. And what would Jeffrey Larry tell you? Passing, passing offense wins. And I will be willing to bet on the Bengals, especially with the points. Maybe they don't win. Cause I, I think the Titans are being slept on a little bit. The way kind of yes. they get talked about, it's like they're just going to get like blown out. They're not going to get blown out. They're like one seed. I think Vrabel, um, like there's something to be said for how the Titans have this like tough personality. They're like a tough physical team between Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and some of these guys. And I think uh mm-hmm. Vrabel deserves some credit for like instilling that culture of like toughness and they fight. They don't like go down easy necessarily. So I don't I'm not like expecting them to get blown out um uh by any means. And they might win. But I think the Bengals are gonna at very least make it a game. So three and a half to me is like a lock of a pick to take. So and I hope and honestly, uh well we'll get to this, but I, I like the Bengals a lot. Um so 49ers. Here, here, real, one, one more thing on the Titans. Here are some of the teams they beat this year. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Rams. Yeah. They beat the 49ers. And some of those, some of those teams on the road too. <laughs> yeah. So like they beat a lot of really, really good teams this year. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'm uh, underrating them a little bit, but uh, I just love the way Cincinnati's playing right now. I think. Yeah. Again, we'll get to this. Anyway, uh, 49ers at Packers. The Packers are six point favorites. This 49ers team is a weird team to analyze because again, <laughs> yes. they have the worst quarterback remaining in starting quarterback in the playoffs and they're going up against the team with probably arguably, you know, the best remaining quarterback yeah. in the playoffs. I had him second. And so, uh, for the, the SB Nation NFL show this week, the, uh, the off day debrief stats and I ranked the remaining quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you have Mahomes or uh, Brady one? I had Brady one just because of ah, the track Mahomes record. Three, huh? Okay. Just, yeah, just because of the track record. Like, you know, I, I, it's, it's one A, one B, but how can you not give Brady the, the benefit of the doubt? Whereas Aaron Rodgers kind of can't as much just in terms of his playoff mm-hmm. track record. Um, sure. but you know, it's really close. But anyway, you could easily make the case it is Rodgers instead of Brady, both guys right there for MVP in the regular season. Um, but the 49ers just like, you know, Debo is really good and that defense has playmakers, but I don't know. I think I have to take the Packers. It's in Lambeau. They're coming off this extra rest. The, the 49ers are coming off this emotional game. It's Jimmy G. He's going to be good for some turnovers. Russell Douglas is probably like, going to pick him off at least once. Uh, I think there is something to this being like the Packers last dance kind of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think Devontae Adams, like who do the 49ers have that's going to like match up with him and lock him down. So uh, six is a decent amount and I'm not like super comfortable with that, but I do think the Packers win. So I'll take the minus six for the Packers. I'm taking the plus six on the Niners. I do think they'll lose, but I'll take the points. And um, what I'll say about the Niners is this. So the, like we said last week, uh, you know, they have Debo Samuel, they have Brandon, Brandon Ayuk. They have George Kittle. Those guys are all awesome uh, after the catch with the ball in their hands. They also run the ball, of course, as we know, like with their running scheme, blah, 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 whatever. Packers gave up the third most yards per rushing attempt in the NFL this year. 
And I can't help but think back to that 2019 mm. NFC Championship game where Jimmy G threw, I think, nine pass attempts. It was either seven or nine in that game <laughs> because they just ran it down the Packers' throats all day like they were like a mid-1990s Nebraska playing Kansas. So, like, you know, it, I think the Packers have some questions to answer there in terms of being able to, to you know, play tough physical football uh, in the playoffs and not just whole, you know, solely rely on, on Aaron Rodgers making enough plays to, to win games. So I do think uh, the Niners will make it interesting. But ultimately, in Lambeau, as we mentioned uh, last week, the, the Packers are the only undefeated team at home this year. And, yeah, uh, until they they're lose, really good at home. I, I'm not picking again. Well, I might pick the Buccaneers next week if they if that's the matchup. But uh, for now, yeah, g- give me the uh, the Packers because Jimmy G stinks. Like that throw that he made late in the game where he was rolling <laughs> to his right – and the receiver was right in front of him. He just like sailed it way. Like, he was like 10 yards away from him. He sailed yeah. it way over his head. And it was just an easy pick. I think it was Anthony Brown. doesn't matter. But uh, like that throw was, was – he made that throw and it's like, come on, dude. Are you Like really? You really yeah. – you're going to just piss this game away like this? Uh, so I think ultimately he's going to make a throw or two like that and the, and the Packers will beat him because of the result. And then the Ayuk miss too when he was just wide open. So yeah, like Jimmy G's going to have both misplays and and probably turnovers that mm-hmm. cost the at the end of the day. Uh, Rams at Buccaneers. The Bucks, the team that eliminated the Eagles, are three point favorites. The reigning Super Bowl champs at home. I'll let you go first on this one. Line, yeah, it's an interesting line. I, I thought the the odds makers would think that the Buccaneers are better and thus uh, would be a bigger line. I think that the Buccaneers' concern is what Ryan Kerrigan did to. <laughs> Wells, I don't, Brad Wells, was it? Uh, The backup right tackle after Tristan Wirfs went down. Ryan Kerrigan basically looked like Khalil Mack against that guy. And uh, I'd be very nervous if I were the Buccaneers heading into this matchup because now you got Von Miller going up against that guy. If Wirfs, I guess it's still to be determined whether Wirfs will play, but it doesn't, he didn't practice yet, as far as I understand. So if he can't go, that's potentially devastating. Uh, for this Buccaneers team, like when, you know, Chris Godwin was gone and Antonio Brown got kicked off the team. It's like, eh, like those guys are great and all, but Tom Brady can win without, you know, without elite receivers. Mike Evans, uh, awesome receiver, Rob Gronkowski, awesome tight end. He can win with those two guys, you know, solely focusing on them. That's fine. You lose Tristan Wirfs. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, ultimately I think that, uh, the difference between Tom Brady and his 30-something uh, playoff wins and Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. with his one playoff win against what was, I mean, let's be real, that Cardinals team stunk down the stretch. So uh, I haven't seen anything yet from this Rams team that, that you know, would lead me to have a lot of confidence in them. I do think they have the best defense left in the NFC with mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller. So um, you know, that'll serve them well. But ultimately... For me, it just comes down to Tom Brady's way better than Matt Stafford, and at least, or not maybe, maybe not way better, but you know, uh, I trust him a hell of a lot more in the playoffs uh, than I do Matt Stafford. I also kind of trust Bruce Arians a little bit more than Sean McVay, who yep. I'm just never in on. And I think again, there's always going to be a big decision in a game like this, and he's going to be way too conservative. Not that Bruce Arians has never been conservative either, because that's kind of been an issue for him sometimes, old school coach, but. Uh, the McVay or the uh, Stafford thing is absolutely relevant. You said as well because Stafford was not playing very well heading into the playoffs. He had like eight touchdowns, to eight interceptions in his last mm-hmm. five or four games, 
and he didn't like do a lot of heavy lifting against the Cardinals in terms of he only had like 17 pass attempts or so. Yeah. So like, I don't think he suddenly just wiped all the doubt out about that. Um, so yeah, I will take the Bucks. I will take Tom Brady. Uh, I will take them to win and cover the three-point spread, and I feel pretty solid about that. By the way, Ryan Kerrigan in 16 regular season games. Three <laughs> tackles, one tackle for loss, zero sacks, three quarterback hits. Yeah, Ryan Kerrigan in one playoff game. Three tackles, so he matched the season total. Two tackles for loss, one more than he had in the regular season. Yeah. One and a half sacks, which is one and a half more than he had in the regular season, and two quarterback hits, which is only one fewer than he had. Which is just Howie Roseman knew all along that he was a primetime player when 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 it really mattered. <laughs> I mean, if they bring him back, I don't think they will. But if they do, like, <laughs> and because of that game, like, what are we doing? It'd be um, like uh, when they brought Alshon back after he had that one good game oh against the Dolphins. <laughs> he he ate him up. He ate those Dolphins defensive backs <laughs> right. up. Uh, okay, why don't we move on to the final game here of the slate with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are only two point favorites. Yeah. Um, I'll start here and I'll take the Bills because I look mm, back at to when win or with the points. Uh, both. And okay. here's why: because uh, when you look at how the uh the Bills went into Kansas City earlier this year and won that game, there was mm. nothing like fluky about that to me. It wasn't like oh they got some good bounces and or it was just like the Chiefs. It was a bad day for them. No, like they went in there and they legit like kicked their butts and like, you know, like left no doubt. And Josh Allen against the Patriots, which the number one defense in the league in terms of, I think, fewest points allowed this season, he had freaking like the perfect game. <laughs> he let a touchdown on basically every drive they needed a touchdown on or, or didn't even need, but, uh, you know, like excluding kneel downs and whatever. So, uh, and I think that's the real deal. His volatility scares me because he can absolutely kind of do some crazy stuff and have a, you know, like a crazy wild turnover mm-hmm. too and kind of maybe just melt down so that I can't not, uh, acknowledge, there's definitely downside with him. I get that. And, you know, maybe I'm overthinking this by not betting on Mahomes and Andy, but I don't know, man. I think Josh Allen is just like at, playing at a whole different level right now. And I will take the Bills with the plus two. It sounds like you're going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, well, the line is kind of all over the place on this. Like, there's some like that are two and a half. There's some that are one and a half. Uh, I saw one that was three. But if you if you look at like one and a half, for example, that means like the odds makers think the Bills are better. And your point about them, you know, the, the matchup earlier this season, I think is uh is is relevant. Um, ultimately, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league, and uh, they're at home, and. Patrick Mahomes is pretty good too. <laughs> so like I kind of trust Andy uh to to I mean they've been to the Super Bowl the last two years. So uh they're they're a very playoff season team. I mean, not that the Bills aren't at this point, but um the the, the Chiefs are, you know, have had more success in the playoffs than the Bills. So I'm gonna go tried and true and I'll take the Chiefs, but that is not one that I would ever touch. Like I just don't feel really confident in uh in, in my pick here at all. But I'll take the Chiefs and, and I'll lay the two. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it's three, you feel pretty decent about that. Um, I don't know. Uh, all right, least objectionable Super Bowl winner from the remaining eight teams. Who would you say that is? I would say it's probably the Bengals or the Bills. Who would, who would you both... say from each conference? Like, pick the, pick the uh, Super Bowl matchup that is the least objectionable Super Bowl matchup. Well, we can eliminate the Bucks. 
I would yeah. eliminate the Packers. Uh, I would say probably 49ers against either the Bengals or the Bills. And I'd probably go Bills. Hmm. The Bills fans, uh, but, you know, but but the Bengals too, you know? They're just very fun to watch. I'm going to go Bengals. Bengals are very fun to watch. And I, I think agree. I would actually enjoy, I would enjoy that Super Bowl. So ba- Bengals 49 for me. Like, I, a fan base who has been starved, like hadn't won a playoff game since before I was born until last week. Like, yes. you know, it's, it's really not like crushing. It's, it's like good for them. Like, you know, uh, that's fine. And Joe Burrow's cool and, and fun to like that. It's a fun team to, to root for. And they probably won't be in the future because they'll probably kind of like the Warriors, not to say they're the same level, <laughs> yes. but like they'll reach a point where, um, they won't be the fun team. Like the Warriors, you know, were really fun to root for on the come up, but then they became the villains and in part because they added KD and everything. But right yeah. now the Bengals are in like, oh, they're the, the cute fun team. Like it's easy to root for. They haven't, uh, had a lot the of Chiefs success. Were kind of that. Time. Yeah. Yes. At first. Right. But then, you know, then it gets boring. So yeah. I'm going to say Bengals from the AFC is the least objectionable. And then. It's between Packers and 49ers for me. I know, like, you know, not really the most rootable player, Aaron Rodgers, right now. But uh, as you have noted many times before, he has helped knock out uh, <laughs> NFC's competitors in the playoffs before. So, you know, kind of take sauce on that. Although the 49ers did just knock out the Cowboys. So either way, I think you can kind of go either way to me. You can't pick the Rams or the Bucks. Like, no. Right. If you're saying one of those teams, no. Wrong answer. Uh, the most objectionable from that group, uh, from the AFC to me, it would be the Chiefs, just because I've seen it yeah, already. Okay. Like, I'm, I don't need. I'm not like I'm. Just, it's just boring to me. Like I don't. I don't hate. the I Chiefs. I guess that's true because the Titans aren't really that objectionable either. No, uh, I I don't hate the Chiefs, but I just don't. This is boring. Like I don't need to see them in another Super Bowl. Like that's not doesn't really do a whole lot for me personally. And mm-hmm. some people like to say like they root for greatness, but like. I root for like entertainment and fun and to have fun. And to me, seeing Patrick Mahomes win another title isn't like fun to me. So soon again, like, okay, this is an expected result. Uh, as for the NFC, the Rams to me, I know even above Tom Brady because Tom Brady's won so much and they just won last year that I'm kind of just numb to it. It doesn't really like annoy me because it's, he's already done it so much. It's just like, whatever. If Sean McVay won a Super Bowl, that would be really annoying to me. I don't want to see that. I just don't want to, cause we've already, cause he gets so overhyped. Like the hype would be insane. Like John McVay winning one Super Bowl would be viewed as like this, like the most incredible thing ever done. Like, and the way I'd put it is like Sean McVay, Sean McVay already gets more credit as a whole than Doug Peterson when Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. So if somehow they both won a Super Bowl, Sean McVay would be talked about like he won like 10 billion Super Bowls <laughs> yes. and Doug Peterson didn't even win one. So I don't, I don't like Sean McVay, obviously long time listeners know that. So I would say the Rams, I really don't want them to win. So the worst Super Bowl for me would be Chiefs Rams. Yeah. You're right about the Chiefs uh, after looking at, cause there, there's really no objectionable teams in the AFC, but uh, the Chiefs are, like you said, are boring. I would agree with the Rams for everything you said about Sean McVay. I guess my, the Buccaneers like would be annoying too because again that's boring and it's boring. You know who wants to see Tom Brady win, win another win another Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't. But, but but if he did, it would almost kind of be like, well, who cares at this point? Right. Like how many he racks up? Uh, and then uh, the Packers for me, I don't want to give this more on a platform that you know people are going to listen to and agree with about the vaccine. So uh, I don't want to see that either. I don't want to see like I don't want to be two weeks of press coverage be dedicated to this idiot. So. uh 
<sighs> it's either the Packers for the Ram or the Rams for me, but I'd probably go Rams before everything you said about Sean McVay. All right. So more <laughs> Schadenfreude to root for, uh, to work with. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, senior bowl coming up, which will be fun. Uh, that's You're almost the, that age. First week. Uh, I'm almost what age? The senior bowl? I'm, I'm almost a senior. What do, what do they consider a senior? Uh, what do they consider a senior? Is it 65? I feel like there's, you know, like 55 and up communities, but I don't know if that, I don't know. I'll right. Google well, it while least, you talk. I got at least a decade for, for that. So I'm not. It was just a joke, I'm by old, the way. But I'm not that old. Uh, so yeah, Senior Bowl is coming up. That'll be fun to attend this year, particularly because the Eagles have three first round picks, of course. We'll see if they use all of them. Uh, as far as other final thoughts, uh, I'll just say that I really like ice cream. Which ice kind? cream is amazing. Um, well, I've made this point on uh, elsewhere. I don't remember exactly where, but I feel like in the same way that like every household has like sugar or salt and pepper or whatever, like the, back in the day, like you you need like you if you were out of something, you go next door to your neighbor's house and say, "Hey, can I borrow some whatever?" I think that ice cream sandwiches should be viewed mm. the same way. Like everyone just wow, has, everyone just always has them in the freezer, and like if you go to somebody's house, it just be expected that there's ice cream sandwiches in there for you to take. And that's the world that I want to live in. One where ice cream sandwiches are uh, sort of, you know, seen the same way as salt, pepper, sugar, milk, et cetera, where like that's just a staple in every household. I think we don't really think of, or at least correct me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, we don't think of desserts, especially cold stuff as comfort food. You, know, you mm-hmm. think of certain other things like that. But ice cream sandwiches, to me, if a dessert is going to fall into that category, would be that. So I think it's just a comforting kind of thing. It's something yes. that you think of. It's like nostalgic. You think about having them like all you know throughout the years of growing up, and also just very basic and simple. You just unwrap it. It's there. Boom. boom. Doesn't like it's, yep. it's just simple. It's not like you need a bowl. You know, like for a bowl of ice, and you have to scoop it. You know, it's just it's very simple. It's easy. You could eat it on the go. It's like it's just. It works. It's like the hot dog of desserts almost. Yeah. I mean, it's literally a sandwich, just like a hot dog. (laughs) Um, uh, My final thoughts. Um, Had some good sandwiches from Tony Bologna's recently back. This is the place with the taco pizza. They have multiple locations. They're in like Hoboken. They're in AC. Um, They're somewhere else in Long Branch. Um, So really good sandwiches from there too. Just like crazy stunt foods that they have that are, are really delicious. So check them out. Not a sponsor, of course. But I wish they were. And if somehow someone is listening to this who's connected with them, please be in yeah, touch. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or at least, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, or like maybe we can do a collab. <laughs> no. Um, uh, and again, once again, big shout out to Michael Buffer, who probably need to find a way to get him on the podcast because he's a big Eagles fan and we appreciate the support that he's shown us. That was really cool to give us that shout out on NFL network this morning. A very cool thing to wake up to, uh, not expected at all. I, so that was really awesome. Uh, and we'll have plenty more Eagles coverage coming your way just because the season is over. Does not mean we are over by any means. I don't know uh, if there are any new listeners who didn't know that, but we will be here with you every single week of the off season and sometimes more depending as certain things happen and emergency podcasts may be needed. Um, so complete coverage of the off season coming your way. So don't go anywhere. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, both on Apple podcasts and Spotify. 
Make sure you are checking out all the episodes on the feed because in addition to BGN Radio, as I said, I think, if again, if you've never listened to an episode of the NFC's Mixtape, please listen to this week where you're hearing a Cowboys fan come to grips with his team uh, collapsing. I mean, you're just, you're really going to enjoy it. I think it was a very <laughs> strong episode. So definitely check that out and all was the other like shows. sad or mad? Both. Okay. You, there's points where he's like dejected and he just doesn't even want to be, RJ just doesn't even want to like hear about anything <laughs> football related. But there's points too where he's like, you know, ranting and getting on them. And I, and I give him credit because <laughs> yeah. unlike a lot of Cowboys fans who might be delusional, like the team and just act like it was the refs, he doesn't want to hear any of that. He doesn't want to get, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's not here for any of that. And he did rip, rip Dak, who eventually apologized before we recorded that episode, who just like, just like total, like, stupid move of being like it was actually it was cool for the fans to throw stuff at the refs and wasn't joking about it like just did you see the video of that i did because he he was originally asked about it and he's like oh that's terrible yeah yeah he thought that like the the question was they were throwing uh because he said he didn't see it so he said if that happened that's terrible or like you can't throw we put our our heart and soul on this like we we try so hard you can't throw stuff at players blah 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 and their follow-up question was well no i think it was like the officials that they were throwing. Uh-huh. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, they deserve that. <laughs> and it wasn't a joke. Like he didn't, he didn't crack a no, smile at all. at all. Like he was dead yeah, yeah, serious. Yeah. Oh, he meant that. Yeah. And he repeated it. He said, I think he said it a couple of times. Like, well, then it's okay then. Or then it's okay. like he said it. Yeah. I get to see the look in his eyes too. He was mad. And I get, and like I said this with RJ, like I, I understand the human element of being disappointed, but there's a reason like you're the $40 million franchise quarterback and face of the thing. Like you can't say that. Like you're getting paid $40 million because you cannot say stuff like that. And you have to say the right thing, even if you're feeling a different way. Anyway, yeah. uh, Dak is a loser. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, any, oh, so check out the SB Nation NFL show, which because even though the Eagle season is done, obviously we just talked about all those playoff teams. And if you kind of like the league wide talk here, which we kind of get into briefly, well, there's a whole full week's worth of episodes of that. And I think we'll be having some special guests with the Super Bowl coming up. So definitely want to check out the SB Nation NFL show. And if you like me, maybe, which, you know, could could be hit or miss. But if you do, uh, you know, I do a podcast there once a week, which is why you should check it out on Tuesdays at the very least. And RJ is on there, too, twice a week. So there you go. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account at Bleeding Green. BGN Radio Twitter account is at BGN underscore radio. You can kind of see when all the podcasts go up uh, on Twitter. If you're if you want an extra place to follow that in addition to your obviously your podcast feeds and whatever, you can check out bleedinggreennation.com for my work, fullyvoice.com for Jimmy's work. And you can check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats. And if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house or looking for real estate advice or anything in the world of real estate, I would say you want to go to RoachRealtors.com and contact Kristen Roach. Or you can call her or text her at this number. Eight. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Serious inquiries only in terms of don't troll Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, please. <laughs> uh, and she will pick up if you call or text her. She'll get. She's very good at getting back to you. Yes. So, all right, we will talk to you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.